Good morning, church. Wow, that sounded nice and full and together and kidless. We started eKids today. Uh, I'm excited. I've been in and out of the auditorium, so I've been serving in eKids. And here today, uh, I, I'm just so excited. I, had to, I have to see what they're doing, and they're, and they're worshiping right now. Uh, one, one of them's crying, but most of them are worshiping. <laughs> And we have about 20 kids in there on day one of the relaunch. That's amazing. So I'm super excited about that. Uh, we ha- there are still some uh, kids in the room today in the auditorium, and you're welcome to be in here as well. It's just not as fun, honestly. Um, oh, I see that some of them made their way back. So that's good. They finally decided through worship, okay, I'll go. Uh, it's it's going to be fantastic in eKids. Thank you to the volunteers who have said yes to make this happen. A lot of the parents are like, so you mean to tell me you will keep my kid all four Sundays and you're only asking me to serve once? I'll take it. Uh, Because the past year they have been watching their kids four Sundays or every Sunday. Uh, So it's been, it's been, uh, I don't know, a a parent partnership and some of our kids volunteers have come on board as well. And in fact, all of you who are sitting in the room, I'm eyeing you to see where I can place you in E-Kids as well. So I'm excited. You know, our, our legacy, I think, I hope, will be strong family. Uh, when Carrie and I started the church 10 years ago, and our family and friends, we had so many people jump on board. God told us that there would never be a lack of children and youth in our church because Carrie and I had sown for 10 years prior at a church in College Station. We were their children's pastors, their youth pastor. And the Lord told us that we would, we would always have kids and youth. And I'm just so grateful for that. I hope that we never become a church that outgrows kids. Like they have to be our priority that the generations shift through kids. And I'm excited that right now while I'm preaching to you about family, our kids are encountering God in a way that they've not encountered in the last 12 months at the Exchange Church. Can we just give the Lord some praise today? So welcome, and and everyone that's watching online, I'm glad that you're watching online and in your living rooms, couch, wherever you are. I'm just so glad. I feel extremely grateful today, just grateful. So as we continue the series, this is our final Sunday on Family Feels, and I am feeling it. I am feeling the family. Today I want to talk to you about a topic that isn't really talked about much, to be honest. I mean, I think the Bible speaks a whole lot to this topic, yet we don't address it in church. I don't think I've ever heard a sermon on it unless I specifically went to YouTube to see what was out there. And quite honestly, I listened to two sermons and I agreed with about half of each sermon. So I just think there's a lot of misinformation, there's a lot of non-information, and that is how in the world do we parent young adults, adult children? No one told me it was going to be this hard, Carlos. I, I really thought once they graduated that I got to sign the last check, Mark, and be done. And it's, it doesn't work that way for all of you. Your kids are any kids. You're like, what? (laughs) It doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. In fact, I, I think this is my own opinion and 
and the opinion of almost every parent that I've talked to of adult children, the adult children stage is the hardest and most difficult stage of all as a parent. There aren't many books. In fact, while I was preparing the sermon, um, I'm not going to say it was the Lord. I think it was just, just me because I was finding so much information in the Bible about this topic. I thought, I need to write a book. And as I'm learning, and I am by no means the expert, so I wouldn't write a book from an expert stance, but like my journey of coming into parenthood of adult children. You know, um, if you're a parent, you will spend the majority time of your parenthood parenting not little kids. I know it feels like forever, but that's not the majority of your parenthood. The majority of your parenthood career will be parenting adult children. So the season that has the most length of time in that career, parenthood career, has the smallest amount of resources. Maybe that's why we're struggling, family. And so hopefully I can help you today. Let me just start with just a fun quiz for everyone. Okay, just a little fun quiz. I want you to finish the sentence. There's no penalty if you get it wrong, uh, but I want you to finish the sentence. Spare the rod. One more time. Spare the rod. No, that's actually not in the Bible at all. Did you think that was in the Bible? Spare the rod, spoil the child. You know what is in the Bible? Proverbs 13, 24, this is where that phrase comes from. We all thought it was spare the rod, spoil the child. It actually says, he who spares his rod hates his child. Those who don't discipline, don't just spoil the child. You hate the child and potentially are sending them to hell. So that was just a for fun quiz. (laughs) I want to take us to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, and look at the three phases of sons and daughters. Adult children is kind of an oxymoron, adult children. Maybe instead I could just refer to them as sons and daughters, right? I have sons and daughters, you have sons and daughters. And in this block of text, I think it speaks to the three phases of children, okay? Sons and daughters. Children is age zero to 12, according to the Bible, and I'll, I'll show you why that is. Adolescents or teens are 13 to 19, according to scripture. And adults are age 20 and up. I know you thought it was 21 because the drinking laws and all of that have confused you, but the Bible, according to the Bible, is 20. Uh, when, when a young person turns 20, they, according to God's word, are an adult. And we're going to see all three phases in this one block of text that I'm going to read to you today, okay? Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Okay, this is addressing the children ages 0 to 12. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Um, And this, at this stage, is what children need. This is the easiest stage of parenting, the easiest. Obedience. I know all of you are are thinking that I'm really disqualifying your effort. I, I get that it's hard. I'm just saying it's the easiest of the three. You don't believe me? Just wait. 
Okay, it's obedience. That's, that's what you're trying to teach your kids from age zero to 12. Uh, the next verse, verse two, goes into adolescence. It says, honor your father and mother. In the adolescent stage, 13 through 19, we're teaching honor, how to honor and how to be honored. Some people can honor but don't know how to receive honor. And so in their teen years, that's what's most critical. Hopefully, they've already mastered the obedience stage. And, and sometimes, as a parent, we get stuck on obedience, okay? I'm glad that all my kids are, most of my kids are out of the room. Because I, I'm sharing some things with you today, not because I've mastered it, but because the Lord is massaging that area in my life. Are you with me? Is it all right if I'm human today? Okay. In adolescence, 13 to 19, it's really the focus is no longer on obedience. That should have been learned. If, if we're still working on obedience, we got we to gotta get quickly them up to speed. Now we're, it's all about honor. Honoring one another. What does honor look like in the workplace, in the schoolhouse, between your teachers? Um, it, it's no longer about obedience. And then it says there's actually a promise with this, honor your father and mother. It's the first command with a promise, by the way. Not all commands have a promise. This one does. Um, that it may go well with you and you may live a long life on earth. Now, I've teased my kids before that the promise is if they don't honor me, God will take them out. <laughs> you know, it's just a joke. It's just a joke. They, they don't believe it. Um, but that's not really the promise. The promise is that it will go well with them. That's the promise. A long life isn't a blessing if it's not going well with you. So that is, the, that is the fruit of honor, is that it will go well with you. And I'm, I'm not referring to financial prosperity, though I believe it impacts it. I'm not referring to, to all these tangible elements. I'm simply saying that there is a, a favor and a blessing that rests on children that know how to honor there's nothing worse, in my opinion, than seeing teenagers gathered around a table at a restaurant disrespecting their server and leaving trash on the table. And I know that's a really picky example, but I can quickly see when I get kids, teenagers out in public, who has learned honor and who hasn't. Those who have learned honor, there is a promise that it will go well with you and you will live long. Verse 4 and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Okay, I believe this is speaking not just to little kids, not just to adolescents, but to sons and daughters, adult children. Let me explain, and let me recap. Um, write this down. Training is for kids. Training is for kids. Proverbs 22.6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. Some of you have a little PTSD from the last question I asked when you got it all wrong. It's okay to speak boldly. There is no public shaming here. Um, when he is old, he will not depart from it. That word child, by the way, in Proverbs 22, 6 is na'ar in Hebrew. Did you know the literal translation of that word is a boy or girl from birth to adolescence? Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. When your child is birthed to 12, 
you better hope you've got them in church. You better hope you've got them in sun- Sunday school. Listen to me. In e-kids. You've, you better hope that around the table, you've taught them to pray. These are the years that we mold our children. These are the investment years that return later. Right? Now, I understand that some of us didn't know Jesus, zero to 12. That's where the grace of God comes in. Okay, so there's no shame. I'm not trying to make you feel less than or you didn't provide something for your kids. What I'm trying to do is sound the alarm for the parents that have zero to 12-year-olds and say, don't miss this opportunity. I get that a whole 12 months just flew by with COVID. What did we do with our kids in that 12 months? I mean, we're partnering with you today, but you had a whole year. You had about 8% of the opportunity and the window be gone. Train up a child in the way he should go. Discipline. Discipline um, is important at this age. Discipline, I think, is important in general. The world doesn't understand the concept of discipline even in the church, in our workplace. Um, the, the, the Bible says that we should love discipline. We get offended at discipline. We get offended at hard conversations. We, get, we just don't want discipline of any sort. But let me just give you, for those that are in the 0 to 12 stage, okay, um, a few ways that you can discipline. Keep this in mind. And they are all C's, the letter C, okay? When you discipline, be clear. Be concise. Be short. Be consistent, right? Be consistent. And be compassionate, don't shame your kids. God never shames us into submission. Amen? All right, teach, training is for kids. Let me move on to teens now. Teaching is for teens. Teaching is for teens. Do you see the difference? Deuteronomy 4.9 uh, says, Teach them to your children and your grandchildren. Deuteronomy 6.7 says, You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit on your house, sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. So we see a transition around 12 or 13, and I know I'm, my topic today is adult children. I'm getting there, but I need to take you through the flow of transition, if that's all right. We train children. We teach in adolescence. We see in Scripture this happens with Jesus. There's a shift. Do you, do you remember what happened when he was 12 or 13? He, he got lost, right? He got lost, and his parents found him where? In the temple, in the temple. And we always pick up on the fact that Jesus was teaching in the temple. And we think, wow, a 12, 13-year-old teaching in the temple? That he really had it going on. But there's a verse that we miss that I want to draw your attention to. And this is the transition that we see from children to adolescence that we should see from obedience into honor. Luke 2, 42 through 46 is that block of text. I want to focus on the last verse, verse 46. Now it was that after three days they found him in the temple. Here it is. Sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. Do you see that? Do you see that mature interaction and engagement with people around him? It was no longer about you do the dishes. It was more about a conversation about why clean dishes matter in 2021. Right? teaching for teens. So we tell a child what to think. We teach in adolescence how to think. 
Some of us don't like math, not because uh, we didn't know answers or we didn't pass math, but probably our teacher just gave us answers or we copied or we found the teacher manual. But once we know the process of how to get the answer, then we're not so afraid of math. How many of you in the room, come on, let's just do a a test that you can't fail. How many of you love math because you finally understood how to do math? And you've said things like, oh, once you understand it, it's fun. Yes, and your friends thought you're dumb. They're like, no, I will never learn and love math. But it's true. Once you learn the process, then you love math. So in this phase, 12 to 18, 13 to 19, we teach by asking questions. Not by telling them what to do, but by asking questions. What do you think are some decisions, son, that you're making today that potentially will impact your life in 10 years? That's a good conversation to have. Hey, son, what do you think the the traits of your friends are um, that are both holding you back and then that are good? Siri doesn't know how to parent. <clears throat> wow, I have to turn that off. You follow me. You ask questions in this phase of teaching, all right? Dear Jesus. All right. The third for adult children. Um, if we train our children and we teach our adolescents, then we trust our adult children. Trusting is for Adult sons and daughters, children are trained, teenagers are taught, adult children are trusted. This starts at the age of 20, not when they get married, not when they move out of the home, but at the age of 20. And I get that everyone is different, so I'm not here. If, if you're over 20 and you're living in your parents' home and sometimes they treat you like a kid and they say it's because you act like a kid, probably that's true. So you can't, you, you can't take this sermon to their doorstep, are you with me? I'm trying to teach you what a healthy family looks like. And if that's the case, there may be some dishealth, dysfunction that the Lord is trying to work out in your home. Okay, can I get an amen? The the word of God is never to be used as a weapon. All right. But at the age of 20, we see in the Bible, Exodus 30, 14, that at the age of 20, they started having to pay a temple tax. Uh, We see in Numbers chapter one, verse three, at the age of 20, they were able to go to war, war. In Numbers 14, 29 through 32, they were, at the age of 20, held accountable for their sins. If you remember, when they were going into the promised land, um, they said everyone that did not know of the sin would be able to enter into the promised land. So that was 19 and below. And everyone aged 20 and above would not enter into the promised land. They would be held accountable except for Joshua and Caleb. So at the age of 20, they were held accountable for their sins. So we see there is something in the spirit realm that shifts at the age of 20. At least scripturally in the past, that holds out to be true. I don't know how that impacts your family, um, but I do want to say that as a parent of a 26-year-old, 23-year-old, 22-year-old, this holds true. I have to trust them. They're going to do things that I don't like. They're going to do things that I don't agree with. But I have to give them room to explore life. Ephesians 6, 4. Let's look at that together. It says, You fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and 
admonition of the Lord. You fathers, do not provoke your children, right? Lest they become, no, sorry, can you go back to the verse we just had? You fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. I want to show you what that has to do with adult children, but also let's read together Colossians 3.21. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Okay, I know this is talking to adult children. Let me tell you how I know. Because in the Greek, there is this word called pedion. Pedion signifies younger children. But Paul, who wrote, wrote these verses, didn't use pedion. He used another uh, Greek word, and it's technon. And that's the, the general term of kids, not kids. Remember I told you the Hebrew word that was birth to adolescence? There is a Greek equivalent, right? Pedion. Paul didn't use pedion. So he's not referring to young children in this. When he says, fathers, don't provoke your children, he's talking about adult sons and daughters. He's talking about the entire range, not limited just to young kids. It would be an example of our general word children, okay? If I were to say to you, I have five children, and between them, they have 10 children you would understand that children means that has nothing to do with age. It's a general term of sons and daughters. That's technon. That's the term Paul is using here. So in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul is using the entire chapter. I just read to you verse 4, but in the entire chapter, he's, he's sending this long list of how families interact with each other. And it's radical. Let me tell you, he is, he is going countercultural here. In the entire chapter, he's saying some absolute ridiculous things about husbands and wives submitting one to another. What? I mean, he's saying children, obey your parents. He said husbands and wives should submit. Now, in the world that he's saying this in, you have to understand that women were legal possessions. Okay, they, It wasn't like today. They were complete legal possessions. Husbands were under no obligation to acknowledge them. As his wife, they were, he was under no obligation to take care of her, to give her room in his home. I know, aren't you, ladies, aren't you glad that we made a little bit of progress, right? It's absolutely ridiculous. But when he, he's saying to the family, fathers, don't provoke your children, he's needing to make a point. Because fathers were kind of a certain way in this era. In Roman antiquity, it's known as this phrase, patria potestas. Patria potestas, which means the father's power. The father had ultimate power. I know, ladies, I hate it too. But he had ultimate power. Whatever he says goes. Roman men never grew up. As long as their father was alive, he still had to do whatever his father said. In fact, to have life, you would give the credit to your dad. Because what they would do at this time, at least is the mother would have the baby, they would bring the baby, lay it on the floor in front of the father's feet. And if the father looks down and he wants to accept the baby, he'll stoop down to the floor and he'll pick it up. And everyone celebrates. But if for any reason he doesn't want the baby, he looks at it, could be, 
doesn't want a girl. Maybe he doesn't want another boy, another mouth to feed. Maybe it's deformed of some sort. Maybe there's some problem with it. He doesn't want it. It doesn't even matter the reason. Petria potestas. He turns his back to the baby, walks away. And then it's up to the family, the mom and, and everyone else in the family, to find a way to get rid of the baby. This was written into law. They would leave the baby out in the elements to suffer a long, gruesome death. They would drop the ba- or they would drop the baby off at the city square and allow anyone to take the baby who wanted the baby to do whatever they wanted with the baby. Or um, they would drown the baby, which was preferable because it was a quick death. The father could kill his children at any age because he was the man. Father's power. So it's kind of a big deal when Paul gets in the face of Petria Potestas, that thing that is lingering in the dynamics of every family relationship, that dad could do whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted, however he wanted. Paul says, hey, fathers, I know you think you have ultimate authority, but let me tell you something. Submit to your wife. Don't provoke your children to wrath. Do you see how Paul is standing up to the system? Are you with me? This is, a, this is a big deal. In our culture, it just sounds like, you know, like common sense. Oh, this is good. Hey, dads, don't take off your kids. But in that culture, this is revolutionary. This, this is controversial. This could get Paul killed because no man wants to lose the power that he has at home. And Paul says, submit to your wife. Don't provoke your children. We know that fathers, and I suppose we could say parents, don't have that level of control today. Thank God. But control is still the hardest thing for parents of adult sons and daughters to let go of. Some of us are still wishing that we had patria potestas, and our kids could go where we want them to go and do what they want we want them to do and say what we want them to say and, and your kid's 52. <laughs> we don't have that kind of control. In fact, moms and dads, our goal in raising sons and daughters is to eventually get them to become brothers and sisters. And I know we love the title of parent. I love the title of dad and I'm sure you love the title of mom, but We see in Matthew 23, Jesus is addressing the Pharisees because they love titles too. And he says in Matthew 23, verse 8 through 10, uh, don't be called teachers for one is your teacher, the Christ. Do not call anyone on earth your father for one is your father, he who is in heaven. But you do not be called rabbi for one is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all brethren. You see, that is our goal, parents, to raise our children up From childhood to adolescence to sons and daughters that become brothers and sisters. Without holding the title of parent as a carrot for our child. I've seen and heard that parents love to use the verse, honor your mother and father, right? And you're you're in your 40s now, right? Unfortunately, we, we 
we'll often use scripture to justify what we want our kids to do. And I just need to say honestly, candidly to all of us, that's spiritual abuse. It's biblical malpractice to manipulate our children to do what we want them to do based on what the word of God supposedly says. I'm learning that I don't have authority over my adult sons and daughters. I have influence, hopefully. And I build influence by not irritating them, scripture says. When it says, don't provoke your sons and daughters to wrath, did you know that the word provoke and wrath is, is actually the same word? Don't anger your children to anger. In other words, don't allow the dysfunction that's inside of you to be planted inside of them. That's how we build influence. I've got one minute left on my time, and for the sake of e-kids, I'm going to stick to it today. But I want to give you 20 wisdom bits for parents of adult children. And I'm going to go fast, so you're going to write fast, or you can watch the message again later. All right? Here we go. 20 practical ways that as you are parenting adult children, these are axioms that will be helpful for you. Uh, If it tastes good, chew on it. If it doesn't taste good, chew on it longer. All right? Number one, parents of adult children, don't give unsolicited advice. Children, you're not allowed to say amen to any one of these. Number two, don't criticize your young adult or your adult child's parenting. (laughs) Number three, be the best model of Jesus you can be. Number four, remember being their age. You were their age. Number five, listen more than you talk. Number six, ask questions that show you want to understand. Number seven, never lecture. Number eight, text or call before you come over. I thought that was a funny one. I I don't care if my kids, oh, it's me texting them. Yeah, okay, I need to text or call them before going over. That makes sense. Um, Then the next one, number nine, observe respectful boundaries. Uh, We learn what those are through the word of God. Um, Number 10, don't quickly rescue. The, The age of pulling your hands kid off of the stove is over. Let your 20 plus something year old fall a few times. That's how they learn to walk as an adult. Don't quickly rescue. Number 11, keep your judgments to yourself. And I know your judgments are right. Just keep them to yourself. Number 12, accept their significant others with open arms. Now, I didn't write all of these. I found a lot of these in my study. But I think this one is actually important because as as your son or daughter turns 20 and they're finding significant others, this works too for adolescents. But you always just want to welcome that other person into the home so that you can get close and see what's going on. You know, because if you reject who they choose, I guarantee you they're going to want them even more. Yeah, so just always just open. Oh, we just, we just love him. We just love her. And then you pray. <laughs> Number 13, make being together fun. Everybody say fun. fun. 
if we've lost anything in the past 12 months, it's the ability to learn or the ability to have fun. We just need to have fun, let loose and have fun, especially with our adult children. Number 14, uh, this is a good one, create new traditions. Give your adult child the freedom to create their own traditions and then you pivot and create new traditions based off of that. That's brilliant advice. Number 15, never stop growing, ever. Uh, Number 16, I love this one, pray it, don't say it. Pray it, don't say it. That could be a whole message in itself. There are so many things that as parents we say, hoping that it will change the outcome when we should be praying it and changing things in the spirit realm that then become manifest in the physical realm. That will save you so much grief right there. Um, Number 17, this is pretty practical. Acknowledge the generation gap. If you have children that are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, then they have kids, acknowledge that there there is a massive generation gap. And the reality is, and I hate to say this as a 46 year old, but the gap between me and my children is the largest generation gap that's ever existed because of technology. In the past 20, 30 years, technology has, well, now knowledge is doubling every single 24 hours. The knowledge that the globe has in the world is doubling every day. That's scary. I'm not doubling my knowledge every day. So there is a generation gap between me and my five kids uh, that is bigger than the generation gap between me and my parents. So I need to, if I want to be a healthy parent, I just need to acknowledge that, um, that there is that gap. Number 18, I need to remember as an aging father that age doesn't bring wisdom, God does. I've seen too many people um, claim to have wisdom and have earned their stripes because of their years, but not spent time on their face before the Lord. If you wanna be a healthy parent as you age, it's all about God time, not years on this earth. Number 19, don't expect their dreams to be your dreams. You can want something for your kids all day long, but their dreams will not be your dreams. And, And number 20, my final tip for parents is celebrate and affirm them more now than before. And this is what I'm working on. Um, this is when the Lord, through this sermon, I kind of got offended at God. We had to have a little conversation. Because I came to the conclusion um, that when my kids were younger, they demanded the affirmation. And now that they're young adults, they silently crave and long for it. They won't come up to me. Michael won't call me from Australia and say, Dad, I just really need a, a father's attaboy. He won't do that. But he'll need it. You will never outgrow the affirmation from your parents. You'll only outgrow asking for it. So you have to celebrate and affirm them more as they get older than ever before. Speaking of celebrating and affirming kids and letting them do their own thing, I want to make an announcement. Uh, And I want to invite Michaela and Lawrence to platform real quick. I'm out of time, so we got to move quick.
Many of us know because we've kind of talked to teams and team exchange and what the Lord is doing in their heart and in their life. Come up here, guys. And um, many of you know that Lawrence got laid off a year ago, uh, thanks COVID. And he, I'm just so proud of this man right here. I'm so grateful that that he is a covering for my daughter uh, because I have watched him over the past 12 months. Uh, Pedro and Hosanna, you, you guys, man, hats off. You are raising an incredible man. But I've watched him uh, look for job after job after hundreds of job applications in the area. I've, I've seen it. I've seen him do that. And then at some point um, when he was thinking, well, maybe this, this engineering degree, I need to pursue something else. He, he got his engineering, mechanical engineering degree a couple of years ago. Um, and he, this past 12 months, he's used this time without a job and looking for a job uh, to teach himself software engineering, coding. And he's had great mentors and people helping him along the way, like shout out to Nolan Egley, who has just been incredible throughout this process. I want to thank Nolan so much for helping my kids move away. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, at any rate, he got, a, he got an offer a couple of weeks ago, and they've gone through this long process. This mic, I'm sorry, I'm losing it. Maybe that'll work. Um, and it's in um, Nashville, Tennessee. Thanks. It's in Nashville, Tennessee, and they begin on the 29th. And so in the next week or so, uh, not this coming week, they'll be at youth this week, their final Wednesday. Um, they'll be at church next week, by the way, their final Sunday. Are you guys doing worship next week or are you worshiping in the audience? So you'll be here on, on platform. And next week, we'll pray them out. You know, we'll, we'll send them with a blessing and then maybe take up a love offering for them if you guys want to contribute to their journey. Um, I'm not happy about it, to be honest. Like I've told, I've told people, I, I probably just need a good cry. I've not had that yet. Um, but... I do know that they hear from God. And I'm in a season of life where I don't, I don't have to expect them to obey. I get to trust them. I get to trust them in this moment. And I actually believe that this is a God thing and that I just can't deny what he has done throughout this. And so this is a, you know, as I'm talking today about parenting adult children, I get the honor of telling you my adult children are moving away. And it's hard. And it stinks. But it's also thrilling and exciting. And I can't, I can't wait to see what the Lord is going to do through them. I can't wait to see the impact. I can't wait to see that as a dad, now that they're really gone, what that's going to be like. So, Michaela Lawrence, um, we love you and we'll pray over you next week. But... I want you to share for just one minute, one or two minutes, what's on your heart and about the church and this opportunity. Well, um, oh man, one minute. I'm trying to filter through and just get a summary of everything. Um, yeah, we, we are very shocked by the opportunity and um, 
we kind of just got to a place where we thought, what, what is God doing? Because nothing is, is happening here with his job situation. And so we started, you know, asking God is, do we need to expand our minds? Are we trying to box you in to a specific location? And, um, it was just really hard for us to think of letting go of this place and letting go of our, our families being, you know, in the same town of both of them. And so, um, he says he needs a good cry. I, we've just been crying <laughs> like for the past several weeks. Um, and it's, it's weird emotions. It's like you're grieving the loss of everything beautiful. We have it so good here. We love our church family. We love our youth. We love our worship team, our production teams. We love you. And, and so it's definitely a grieving process for us. But um, as we're approaching it now, like, like he said, we just, we really can't deny that this is a God thing. It doesn't mean that it's gonna be easy. We're very prepared for how, <laughs> well, we're telling ourselves we're prepared for how hard it's gonna be. Um, and we know, you know, we're gonna have to process the pain of that, but it just really feels like um, the, the Lord is on this. And so um, as hard as it is, we're just, we are so filled with gratitude for, um, what this past season has done for our relationship, um, for our church. And I'm, you know, we, we fill a lot of roles here at the church, but there was never a time that I was worried about, you know, who was gonna take that place or what was gonna happen because the church is resilient. Yep. The church is never built on a person right. ever. It's not built on my dad. It's not built on our family. That's right. It's not built on you. Yeah. But you should serve any kids right now. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but but really, you know, it's. I know I'm contradicting myself. We are all significant in, in everything that we do here to serve, and I'm not minimizing that. But at the end of the day, this is God's church, yeah. and the church is going to power through. There's going to be new leaders that are that rise up that are going to do a way better job than this past season. We were what this past season needed and there's gonna be new leaders that are what this next season of our church needs. And so we're thrilled to be able to come back and see the growth because we're still, this is our home, you know? Yeah. And um, I, I always say everything, I'm so sorry. You do, I, you did, you did uh, there's just a couple of things. He's like, yeah, you, you do, honestly. <laughs> um, just a few things that I think you did leave out. Yeah, um, take it away, babe. <laughs> uh, we weren't, uh, even though we felt like God was leading us to this, we didn't. We weren't like really looking for it. Uh, it was definitely a surprise. And um, and so it really is something that I, I do feel convicted that this is where God is leading us. But uh, yeah, it's very bittersweet and uh, we're excited about the opportunity. Uh, it's with um, Dave Ramsey's company. Uh, so uh, it's- it It's so amazing. Sorry, it's just so amazing. Like, I'm reading it, their culture, we're having dinner. They just flew us to Nashville last week to have dinner at, with us and everything. And we're, they're telling us about the culture and it's literally our church. And I'm like, what? I didn't know this was allowed. Like, I didn't know that this was allowed in the corporate world. They're like, hey, just so you guys know, um, we care about how your marriage goes. We care if you're faithful to your wife or not. So we care good. if you're living together before you're married. We care. 
And like, we literally have, he's going to have pastor. I just want to go to work with you. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, it's, it's, you have more to say? Well, I mean, yeah, I was going to go into that. Just say that like, it's, oh. it's almost, it's almost like, like working intro. for a church. So it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's just a, a really incredible opportunity. Um, and yeah. so we will definitely miss everybody. Um, and yeah, we really love everybody here. So we're. Yes. And can I say one more thing? Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you will. Were you done or? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, I was just thinking this morning because, you know, it's like, you know, when something is such a long journey and then you look back and you're like, whoa, God told us this last year. And then he said this, then he led us to this person. And then that person said this, you know, and you look back and you're like, what? He knew this whole time? What the heck, you know? And so um, when he lost his job, we, it was really, we were both in a really dark place when he lost his job. And um, we, we actually had to move in with my parents. Like financially we were done. And um, which that's, it's, I think it's been fun, dad. It has been fun. Y'all are gonna miss us. I think it's us. been great. Y'all are really gonna miss us. Anyways, um, but then in that moment, when he lost his job, we were like, you know what? The, the rational thing to do would be to get up and just look for jobs all day long. And we did start doing that. But then it was like, something's off. Something is not right. We're not supposed to be doing this. And so we kept praying about it. And Lawrence came to me one day and said, I don't know, Michaela, I really feel like I'm supposed to pursue software engineering. Like I, I feel like God is saying to do this. And so this man taught himself how to code who does that? He taught himself how to code with the help of a bunch of mentors that he pulled into his life. And he just stayed at it for a year. Like he put in full-time hours just doing that, not getting paid a dime, believing that God was gonna come through in some way. And we are, our minds are blown by what God has done. And there was a Sunday where you said just a month ago, yeah. You came up and you hate yourself for it now. But he, he came up and he was like, God, it was in the middle of worship. God is doing something. He's dropping financial blessing. Who needs a job? Who needs whatever? Stand to your feet. Whoa, God is really doing something. And I felt something in that moment. And I was like, oh, this is it. He's about to get, a, he's about to get what he's been working for. And it was the day after that that whole process began. Yeah. So it's his, when he cries, tell him it's his fault. <laughs> Anyways, I'm done. All right. Well, we love you guys, and we'll, we'll see you again next Sunday. Yes. And we're going to pray over you. I don't know that you'll have a mic next Sunday. Yeah, they're going to cut me off. Sorry. I love you. I love you, Dad. Why don't you stand to your feet? We need to get, get done and get to lunch, get your kids. I, ask your kids what they learned today. Ask them what they learned. I, think, I believe their memory verse is 2 Corinthians 5.17, the verse our church is built on. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Father, I come before you today. I thank you for the amazing blessing of just being a parent, a mom, a dad, and every season, they're all hard. But God, your grace is sufficient. Your grace is sufficient. Your grace covers a multitude of sins. So God, I just thank you that no matter where we've dropped the ball, today is not about shame. Today is about picking up the ball and running 
the race that you've called us individually to race. And my race looks different than her race and his race and their race. But God, let me be found faithful in the race that you've assigned for me to run. In the name of Jesus, God, bless our families. Bless our socks off today in the next seven days. God, just let our homes just be flooded with joy. Be flooded with healthy communication. Be flooded with forgiveness and and relational ease, God. Just help us to communicate together. God, let our families be fun again. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you. I love you guys so much.